0: Thank you, Art. <laughs> In the first service, I said, oh, I should have got Art to play. He was ready. To I, y'all too young to remember sliding the Family Song, and that's probably okay. But, uh, <laughs> but one of their songs was, I want to thank you for letting me be myself again. <laughs> and I do. I thank you so much. I, I, like I said, I've been crying all week and uh, so grateful. And as you were sharing, the elders were sharing the stories, because I remember, and one of the things that blessed me was when I went to see Brother Joe in the hospital, it turned out he had already been visited by some men at church. And that warmed my heart to know that there was a community of people um, who were willing to, to show their love that way and in many ways make my visit somewhat irrelevant because a pastor can't be at everybody's um, bedside, but to know that there was a community of folks and that was uh, honoring and, and good to know so many stories, and I'm, I'm not going to be up here uh, very long with you. I mentioned that I like Energen Sundays, and I know it's hard, and I, I joked about it at the first service Said said it can be hard. It doesn't have to be hard, but it can be, because sometimes it's like being on the airplane, and there's a kid who's crying on the airplane, and people start to fuss and complain, but then nobody feels worse about it than the parents, and we think that the parents are like doing this deliberately, like making their kid cry. And I know sometimes the intergen service, if kids make noise, that the people most self-conscious about it are the parents. Um, but we want to learn how to be community together. And, and as I said, that the intergen Sundays, they're not that frequent. I mean, out of 52 Sundays, we have what, four or five of them or something. But, but, the, um, but the reality of it is that it's about not just a kid's Sunday. It's everybody's Sunday. And we don't kick our old people to the curb. And we don't say it's just about the kids, but we do believe that it takes that village and we want to be together as a community. So that's why one reason why I love it. And also it brings back the good parts of my childhood when church was good and we didn't have to sit there for three hours. So you've got um, you've got a break. This, an hour and a half is nothing. Y'all could do that on one leg. I mean, so, or at least some of us could. <laughs> but I, I want to say thank you also for last week. I mean, I was blown away just by the tributes, and Susan and I both have been reflecting all week long on the love that you showed us. And, uh, and then the scholarship, I just, oh, I don't even know what to say. I just thought that was um, just a, well, you know me. And it was truly a way that, that I felt honored um, by this community. So I do want to share just a little bit. Um, yeah, we were going through 2 Ti- uh, Timothy together. And, and even though I'm going to share some things personally, I'm going to use 2 uh, Timothy. I want to finish out 2 Timothy and make the point that, uh, just like the Apostle Paul finishes out his letter very personally, I want to finish out my time here personally. Here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting at verse uh, 9, uh, chapter 4, I'm sorry, uh, verse 9, the last chapter of Second Timothy. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. (laughs) That sounds like a word from Minnesota. (laughs) Eubulus greets you. And so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. (laughs) You know, it's funny. That's the part of those letters that we tend to skip. Because when we read stuff, we want it to mean something for us right away. And we don't really care that it was written by real people who lived at a different time than we. But these letters show you, those endings of the letters show you how personal the journey of faith is. I used to teach, one of my first teaching jobs teaching Bible was at a small Christian college, Nyack's Extension. Now, Nyack is upstate New York, but they had an extension in Washington, D.C., and uh, a friend who helped me connect there is right here, brother, uh, Craig Ward, Hannah's dad. He, he asked me one day, um, so great to see Craig here because you were at my installation as well. <laughs> and, and Craig asked me as I was making a transition from a different ministry, he said, well, what, what would you like to do? And I said, I'd like to pastor and be able to teach adjunct as well. And he said, well, I know somebody who's starting up an extension of NIAC. So we got connected and I started teaching for them. Had three students that some of these folks here will remember, uh, Andrea, Sean, and Larry, and they connected with me and they were connected to each other. They always traveled as a little group. Anyway, they they became uh, just a warm group of people. I think they were happy to have a black professor. So they also wanted to see me beyond school. So they came to the church that I had started, Peace Fellowship, got involved in that church. Uh, They were ministerial associates, I was calling them, and they had opportunities to preach and teach. Larry, who passed away suddenly, he actually would say when I got to the, was teaching in the classroom on these letters and got to the end, Larry would call them the shout outs. So I laugh because now every time I teach uh, New Testament letters on a seminary level, I call them the shout outs and I give a little tip of the hat to Larry, uh, even though he's not with us. But these shout-outs show how personal the letter is, and I want to end my time here like Paul ends his, his letter, his very last letter. First point that comes through very clearly in here is that the Christian race is not meant to be run alone. And I call this message Running Companions, and I mean it metaphorically because you know I don't really run much. And, uh, and if I had to, you know, somebody had to be chasing me. But I am... Um, <laughs> But as far as this Christian race is concerned, it's clear that we run, we're meant to run uh, with others. Even the Apostle Paul that we think of as a lone ranger, we think he's all by himself. We have this picture of him just you know, going from town to town, preaching and all of that. But he's with other people. He calls them my fellow workers or sometimes fellow soldiers or sometimes fellow apostles. So he is not alone in ministry and teaches us that we are not alone either, or at least we ought not be. We're all connected to one another. Now, I have a long list of connections by the grace of God. The older I get, the longer that list gets. And, and of course, my wife, Susan, has been my longest and closest running partner. But I've had so many that I can't name them all. But, so don't feel slighted if I uh, don't mention your name. This time, because of a mistake I made in the first service, I'm going to actually look at my list so, <laughs> so I can get it right this time. But I actually want to take the time to honor the staff team that God has allowed me to know and work with over these years because they've been faithful running companions. And you know, and I've said it many times, that this ministry is not about any one person. It's about us as a community. And they, they show that and live it. Joseph came to us most recently, not even two years yet. And when we were looking for a worship director, I was told by when I wrote the job description, they said, "You're looking for two people. It's hard to find somebody who's talented in music and also is organized." (laughs) And uh, now some of you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you find artistic people who who are not the cross and T dot and I kind of people. And so one of the members of my interview team said, "You're looking for a unicorn." And uh, so we, I said, "Well." We're looking for that person. We're going to keep on praying because I can't afford two people. So Joseph came on the scene. And Joseph, I want to thank you. I don't know where he is. He's around somewhere. But I want to thank him for taking a chance with us because the sanctuary is the kind of place that's hard for people to put into a box. Oh, you're this kind of church. You're that kind of church. And we're different. And I am so grateful to God. But sometimes people want to put us in a box. So, so it was kind of taking a chance on us that he couldn't quite fit out who, who we are and what are we about. And Joseph would come to staff meetings kind of with question marks over his head. You could almost see him like, what kind of church is this? And we said, well, we, you'll learn. You'll learn. <laughs> and he sure did. He not only can sing, but he works well with his hands. He's truly crafty. He made that That cross, he's made the the the, uh, sets that we've had for for various worship services. So I don't mind singing the praises of, of Joseph Garnier because he's really been a gift to us, and I'm grateful to God. I see you back there, brother. Thank you. Amen. Yeah. I want to. I also want to acknowledge. Uh, Amy Lumberg. Amy came to us uh, already living in North Minneapolis. Her husband, John, whose uh, child was dedicated at the first service, their youngest child of three, and they lived in North Minneapolis already. T- uh, John worked for Urban Homeworks, wonderful ministry here in North Minneapolis. But Amy was looking to use her gifts in a different way, and we got her, and, and, and you know how it is when you work in ministry or nonprofits, you're part-time. I put it in air quotes because you're never really part-time in ministry. And Amy dove in and she assists all the pastors and whatever we got going on. She assists uh, Andrea in practical matters. She's moving around. I think she's learning a lot from Andrea, <laughs> but we get, we get somebody though, who doesn't just work competently, but Amy is a joyful person. And she exudes the joy of the Lord in her service here at the church. And if you've ever encountered her at the welcome desk or anywhere, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm grateful to have labored alongside Amy Lumberg as well. Amen. And of course, there's Tara now. I didn't, I didn't know who she was, and we desperately needed someone to help us with Mosaic. And actually, I credit Brother Steve Fitz, over here has a long history, and I won't say really long history, he's younger than I am, but a long history of working in youth ministry. And, and actually, Brother Steve, if you don't know, he filled in for Mosaic for us when we were, when we were struggling trying to find somebody. And, and he filled in and helped us with Mosaic. And he helped us find, as, as I understand, Tara Jeff- Jefferson then, and now Tara Hollingsworth. But Tara, you know, and we've had some good conversations, and I hope you know how much I appreciate who you are. God's gifted you in some mighty and powerful ways. When we saw on the screen you serving communion to 5,000 youth at Chick, you know, part of us on the staff said, we're not surprised (laughs) that God has his hand on you for great things, great things. God bless you. (laughs) Amen. So, so Pastor Mike came in 2014, and Pastor Mike right away was in the mix of a lot of stuff going on <laughs> in the life of the sanctuary that I, won't, that I won't even elaborate on, but it symbolized in our staff fun day when we, uh, we were at uh, uh, many haha many ha Park uh, by the falls. Brother Steve was there. He was on the staff team then. He's steering one of those little Surrey bike things. And yeah, some of y'all know the story. He was, he had one and I was driving the other one. Uh, Pastor Rose was next to me. Who's on the other side of you, Pastor Rose? It was Andrea. So we're following them and they had construction going on at the park. And it's too long a story to get into, but we had to leave the trail to get around the construction. And next thing we know, we were on a hill and we were careening down a hill on one of those bikes. And there's, there's no braking for something that's supposed to go three miles an hour. So so I'm trying to break the thing. Now, I give Brother Steve a lot of credit because he threaded a needle. There was a building here and a post, like a cement post, and he threaded the needle right between. So I tried to follow him and I hit the building. And, and yes, I'm laughing now, but I was not laughing then. <clears throat> Both Pastor Rose and I came away with broken ribs. and uh, Although I didn't know mine were broken at the time. The adrenaline was rushing, and I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. But it was Pastor Mike we were concerned about because sur- the back, he was even Pastor Edgewood we in the back. And the, the surgery pretty much crushed. And, uh, <laughs> and Pastor Mike came away with a gash in his leg that you could see the bone. So, so people, we were holding his skin together until the ambulance came. And this is his first fun day with us. So we, we have often said since then, without the shedding of blood, there is no fun day. So <laughs> he had to go get stitches that day. And... Uh, it was crazy. I, I rode my bike to many falls. It was about 10 miles. So I'm running, riding home and wondering why I have such a pain in my abdomen. And then that day, that later that night, I had this big hematoma. Somebody said, you better go to urgent care. I went to urgent care. They looked at it and said, urgent care said, you go to an emergency room. And I'm wondering why the guy's freaking out. So I said, it looks like a black eye. He said, yeah, but it's inside there. I said, oh, now they got me nervous. So I go to the emergency room. where anyway, they do a, so- a scan. That's when they saw the, br- the cracked ribs, and there was no internal damage. But it was a crazy day. Now, I say that crazy story to tell you about how Pastor Mike is, because he had just come on the team, and rather than saying, what kind of crazy people am I with, he's, <laughs> he dove in and he says, you know, I mean, I, I, I say say by the way he acts that this is now his community. He came from the suburbs, from a big church, Christ Presby, but he came here with a heart to serve this city. He came and he made our caring ministry stronger. He made our prayer ministry stronger, and he's been networking with others so that even yesterday when we did, when we hosted Flo on the Lawn, and put the soundstage here, a lot of that is because connections that Pastor Mike has been working on over the last couple of years, that people can look at the sanctuary and say the sanctuary is a place that we can go to when we need community connections. I say thank you, Mike. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <sighs> now Andrea was on the search team that brought me here. I could tell a lot of stories. Um, I remember my very first interview was a Skype interview, and I, um, and I saw, and I told Susan afterwards, you know, I had panned the room of the people interviewing me, and I said to her, this, there was a young Asian woman on the uh, committee. I said, she looked like she was not at all pleased with, with me, and I said, I'm not sure how this is going to go, I told her. <laughs> I know Andrew so much better now, and... Um, <laughs> And there's so much that I admire about this sister, but, um, and I don't want to start crying all over again. I'll I tell you one quick couple of anecdotes. One is shortly after I got here, her husband, Phil, was on the elder board, cycled off the elder board, and, and, uh, and I asked the elders, can we hire an executive uh, assistant for me, uh, Not executive pastor, we were calling the person executive director of operations. And, and Andrew was one of the people that interviewed for the position and I was very excited. We did interview, we didn't just hire, we interviewed. And, um, but she was clearly the best person and I was so excited when she was interested. But even before that, she met with me uh, at a restaurant and just talked to me. She said, Pastor Dennis, I'm at a place in my life where I want to know how I can be more helpful to the church. I'm like, more helpful? This woman does so much already. And, uh, and she helped us with outreach. That's how we started the pancake breakfast. That was even uh, doing it at North High. That was even before she was on staff. And it continued when she did join the staff team. She and I, uh, I've cried on, on her and Phil's shoulders at times. I've been many times at the Lee House and they've just been gracious uh, uh, hosts and friends. So we've been playing racquetball the last couple of years because Andrea wanted to do yet another thing. And uh, so we could get about six games in in an hour because I could beat her pretty easily. Oh, oh, not anymore. <laughs> so in a couple of years, she's making the old man hurt as I'm going around the court. I can still beat her. <laughs> it's just not six games. <laughs> Maybe I get one out of the three. But, you know, I joked Andrea in the first service. I said, I held up the keys and said, Andrew, I'm returning the keys. And she wasn't here in the first service. You better believe I got a text between the services. Pastor Dennis, turn in your key fob and your key. I, uh, <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm, I'm going to give it in, Andrew. I'm giving it in. <laughs> I love that sister. And she, it, it, we wouldn't be in this building if it weren't for Andrew. I tell you straight out. Amen. <laughs> And Pastor Edrin, you know, you've become like a son to me, and I've said that before. But, um, but we, even when you were director of Mosaic, we would have conversations about what discipleship could be and, what, and how the church could be more like a community. And you understood me. I don't know if you remember, we took some walks around the park um, when we were in the old, um, old building, and, uh, and, and we would just kind of reflect on what it could be like if we could do our small groups better, if we could, do, if we could become a community. And you got that vision and you made it happen. Our life groups are awesome. We do, we do men's w- ministry. We do women's ministry, that couples ministry. Even yesterday, the Enneagram um, workshop, I heard some awesome things about already. So now, you were director, you became pastor, and you've shown us that we can be a community of disciples and not just people who show up to church on Sunday. Thank you for that. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and Pastor Rose has heard me say this so many times, and I know it's probably a little tired for you because we ones have a hard time with these kinds of things. That's one on the Enneagram. But um, Pastor Rose and I have, like, the same exact temperament on Myers-Briggs and Enneagram. And, uh, and remember when Tara first joined the team and we talked about that, and she said, you guys are like the same person. <laughs> I thought <laughs> She imitates me, and I should never have done that because <laughs> you'd be gunning for me now. Um, but Pastor Rose, you, you, I used to say when, when I first met you, I said, I think I'm going to be working for you one day. Because I see these skills and gifts that you have as an organized person, yes, as a thoughtful person, yes, we all see that. But also as a caring person. And I've said it to you several times, and I'll keep saying it again, you are truly a pastor. We are grateful for the messages that you preach, for how you live your life, and how you challenge us in ways. And I, and I know that it's hard. I can only imagine, because I know other women pastors, and I know because of your size, people may have a tendency to, to dismiss you or to see you as a kid, but you are a woman of God, and I am grateful for you. Thank you. Amen. And Jeremy's been on the team the longest. And Jeremy saw the early days of the sanctuary, and he knew the vision of Pastor Ephraim, and he knew that it was a vision to be a a committed community in North Minneapolis. The Ann Watton days were hard because being out at Ann Watton, some people were missing the vision for North. And when I came, he communicated that to me, that our church was supposed to be an integral part of the community and not just a place where people show up on Sundays. So Jeremy kept that vision in mind. Now, I tell you, I mentioned vision but Jeremy is also the person who creates. So, But he doesn't want to just be known as the person who makes pretty brochures, but he thinks about mission. That's why the logo is so powerful as it is, because he put creative thought and energy into that because it communicates our mission and who we are. People have said on Facebook who have no idea who he is, how much that that logo communicates to them. I've had people leave the service with one of his well-done brochures. And one person said to me, this is why I love the sanctuary <laughs> and pointed at the, at the awesome work that was put into that. He makes us look good because we have ideas. And I come out of a place where people would slap a sign on the door, handwritten little note on the door. And I never liked that. We can't even, we can't even think like that. If we come up with a sign, Germans, no. He'll make it right. (laughs) uh, So you make us look good. But he doesn't want the attention. He likes to be in the back. And I get it. I get it. But while he's in the back, everything he does is in the front. The colors of this space, the functionality of this space, the beautiful way it feels when you come in. A lot of that was Jeremy in conversation with Station 19. They got our vision a lot because Jeremy had the creative eyes to see what this place could be. Thanks, man. Thank you. (laughs) I want to pause briefly just to say thank you. Lord, I say thanks to you for this awesome staff team that you have given to me and to our church as a community. Lord, these are selfless people who labor in love for you and love for your people here and your people yet to come. Lord, they see with eyes of faith what the sanctuary can be if we all put our hands and hearts to the work. And I thank you, Lord, for that. There are people who have worked late, who have cried tears, who have went out of their way, who have given up days off, who have sacrificed so that this ministry could be whole and healthy. They are emotionally healthy people who know how to disagree in love, who know how to say, Lord thank you and turn to their neighbor and say, I'm not sure you're hearing me, but this is what I think we should do. Lord, I love these people. And I ask that you would bless them and their families and the work of their hands. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. A couple more things. I know the hour's running late. Just a couple of things. There's some people that Paul mentions that didn't stay in the race. I'm not going to dwell on this, but I will tell you that people will leave for, uh, ministries from time to time. Paul even, gives, even acknowledges that. So it's not like we pastors are just being whiny or we got thin skin. Even the apostle Paul acknowledges there's some people who don't keep their hands to the plow and they, and they move on. It does hurt, it does hurt when people ghost, I'll just be honest with you. Our brother Joe was mentioning, he, he was doing a lot of kind of running interference for people who didn't like my style or my way and uh, that's why I could say thank you for letting me be myself because they wanted me to be somebody else and it was hard and I didn't even know it all the time because they were telling other people and not telling me. Brothers and sisters, keep in mind, not everyone's gonna be at the sanctuary, of course not. We have this multicultural diversity that not everybody gets. We have theological breath that frustrates some people. We have an economic diversity here. We have a multi-generational identity. We have, we have a commitment to justice, to the whole gospel and not just self-help. That doesn't resonate with everybody. Like I said, we're hard to put into a box. So some people are gonna leave, but don't let that deter your mission because as many as leave, that God has some others who are coming. For all the demises that Paul mentions that run off, there are Timothys that are coming. So please keep in mind that as you stay faithful, I just had a wonderful meeting yesterday with the sisters, the Visitation Monastery sisters, and, and they said, you know, the sanctuary, where you guys are, they were just marveling at the work. Some of you don't even know the Visitation sisters, they've been here for almost 30 years doing such hard work in the city, and they've been watching the sanctuary. And they are and grateful to God for what he's done here in this corner. I mean, yes, they're Catholic sisters, but they see God at work in us, and they, wanted, and they, and they, they were just honoring what God is doing great things yet to come. So don't be discouraged when people flake off and go. And some people go for great reasons, of course. But your elders are here to minister to all of you so that when you do have issues or do have concerns, do have questions, they are there ready to listen as well as take care of the other affairs of the church. There are ministry leaders who need your help and would hope that you would stay and stay committed like with hood and other things. So, so please don't be discouraged if somebody says, look, I'm, and, and you know, we know the ministry is not about any one person. So some people might say, oh, Pastor Dennis is leaving. I think I should go and, and check out X church. No, God's doing great things here. The spirit of God is here. God's been at work here. Amen. <clears throat> Last thing, we run this race for the glory of God. We don't run alone. Some people will pull out of the race, but we run the race for the glory of God. And Paul says, no matter what difficulties he faced, he wants the Lord to get the glory. So I, I, I've said many times that even though this... this, this um the name sanctuary means so much. And we've had awesome people preach from this pulpit. It's not about these people. It's about the God that we serve. He gets the glory out of our lives and out of our work together. So I just encourage you to keep on running that race and let God get the glory. One of the children greeted me last week and and, and was weepy in the the corridor there and said, you know, when I was little, I was laughing because he was little. And he said, when I was little, meaning even younger, he said, I used to fall asleep in church. He said, but I like coming to church. And he said, I really going to miss you. And he was just crying. I mean, it just touched me, so I started crying, and then a few weeks before that, a young one, little one, she came up to me realizing that I wouldn't be around to baptize her, and as she was telling me this, I was feeling just so emotional, and I started to cry, and then she looked at me, and she came over and hugged me to comfort me. What a heart of compassion in that little one. And then I pick on Morris for a moment. Morris is Miss Pearlie. Some of you know Miss Pearlie's a prayer warrior here, her grandson. When we got here, she would bring him and his sisters to prayer meeting and he didn't like it. And it was difficult. And at times it was tension in the room and I didn't know how much Morris was taken in or not. I went to go help Morris with math one time. I went to the house and tried to be a friend to him. But as I watched over time, God was doing a work in Morris. A lot of it, thanks to Tara, And then when they went to Chick a couple of weeks ago and Tara asked someone to pray, it was Morris who volunteered and prayed for the whole group, prayed for God's blessing on the trip, prayed for God's guidance. And I thought, my goodness, this is a guy who would have shrunk away from from public prayer. And now he's offering his prayer in front of everybody. That kind of transformation is what the sanctuary is about and is why I'm so glad that I was here. Amen. Yeah, amen. The building, yes, is awesome. But I've said it many times, the building wasn't the goal. The building is our tool so we can reach the goal of making disciples and seeing transform lives in this community. Well, sisters and brothers, there's a lot to say. On the one hand, there's so much more I could talk about and reflect on. And I appreciate you visitors being patient with us because it is my last Sunday and you might be upset, but I'll be gone. (laughs) (laughs) But come back. It is a little bit unusual Sunday, I know. And on the one hand, I want to say so much to you. But on the other hand, there's really not much more to say. We've said a lot already, and we've cried, and we've shared. So I want to invite us into the communion time now in a special way. On the night our Lord was betrayed... He had a meal with his disciples. The Gospel of John gives us more detail and says at that meal, Jesus took a towel around his waist and he picked up a basin and he washed his disciples' feet. So the Lord of the universe stooped down to wash the dirty feet of his disciples. He washed the feet of Peter who would deny him. He washed the feet of Judas who would betray him. And it agitated the disciples. They didn't know what to make of it, especially Peter. And the Lord says these words. He says, you call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done. Well, in our culture, we have paved roads. We have shoes that cover our whole feet. And foot washing has lost some of its significance. And some of you are really happy right now because you are not ready to have anybody look at or touch your feet. And and I appreciate and I understand. So we try to do something that's a little more culturally relevant for us. We're going to uh, wash your hands. And we want the washing of your hands to symbolize the service that we do in the name of our Lord, just like Jesus washed the disciples' feet at the first service. I did. uh, We already washed the hands of the singers and the musicians. So don't be surprised if it doesn't happen now. But we're asking that you would let the pastors wash your hands before you take the communion. And I'll lead uh, by setting an example by washing their hands as well as those who'll be serving you. The scriptures tell us on that night, the Lord Jesus, when he took the bread and he prayed and given thanks. He broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this and remember of to me. And on that same night, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. All of you drink it. Sisters and brothers, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim our Lord's death till he comes. It's my joy to serve this communion to you the last time. And I will invite the pastors and service to come forward and I will have the honor of washing their hands.